0: The Bible says, and a certain Jew named Apollos, born at Alexandria, an eloquent man and mighty in the scriptures, came to Ephesus. And this man was instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in the Spirit, he spake and he taught diligently the things of the Lord, knowing only the baptism of John. Verse 26, last verse, and he began to speak boldly in the synagogue. Whom when Aquila and Priscilla had heard, they took him unto them, and they expounded unto him the way of God more perfectly. My subject tonight, and what will likely be a part one of a little mini-series perhaps, I want to speak on the subject, The Way More Perfectly. Can you tell your neighbor, The Way More Perfectly? Lord, bless the preaching of your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Have your perfect way and let your perfect will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said amen. 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 You can be seated. You know, it is possible to know a lot about God. It is possible to be passionate about God and to even try to lead others to God, but not have full revelation of God's plan. We could turn to the Old Testament, we could ask Josiah what that's all about. He was a king of Judah, and uh, he was very passionate about God. And as a result of his passion and his dedication, he led the people in reforms and in revival. He did everything that he could to bring the people back to God. Anything that he could get his hands on that was godless, that was against God, against Jehovah, he destroyed it. Every godless pagan altar, any grove, any shrine that he could find in the land, he destroyed it, all for the glory of God. He even started repairing the temple, the house of God, which had fallen into disrepair and disarray. Because he wanted to allow the people to have a place to properly worship God. And during the renovations, you may know the story, somebody finds a copy of the Word of God, a copy of the law. Maybe as they're moving one wall from one place to another, they break some plaster away and they find a scroll. Or maybe they find some hidden room that was lost in in days gone by. We don't really know, but somebody finds the scripture. They bring it to the King Josiah. They bring the Word of God and When the king has it read to him, he realized that despite his best efforts, despite the best efforts of the people, they had fallen short of God's standard. And so he rends his garments in grief, realizing that he and the people, they were not in alignment with the word of God. You see, all of Josiah's Passion and every bit of his effort to inspire revival, as wonderful as all of those things were, they were inadequate because they didn't align with the scripture. See, you can spend a lifetime trying to please God and, and seeking after him in your own way. There is a way that seems right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You see, if you're doing it in your own way, and not according to the word of God it is an exercise in futility now long before there were terms like Christian and Pentecostal or apostolic the early church they referred to themselves simply as the way Luke uses the term a half a dozen times in the book of Acts and we won't visit those references tonight And the idea, it wasn't original with them. Rather, it came from the words of Jesus himself when he said, in John 14, verse 6, I am the way, not one of many ways, but the way. And I am the truth, not one of many truths. It's not about my truth or your truth. There's only the truth. Everyone say amen. Amen. And Jesus said, I am the life, and no man cometh to, to the Father but by me. In John chapter 10, he said, I am the door. There's only one way into relationship with God. And the way, that's an exclusive term, an exclusive phrase. And that's why the early Christians were persecuted and even called heretics in the first century. Frankly, it's not much different today because there are not many roads to God As it was in the times of the first century church and throughout all of human history, there is only one way to God. And in this New Testament era, in this dispensation of grace, his name is Jesus. It's his blood that redeems us. And it's the cross of Calvary that makes a way of salvation, a way of escape for humanity. And anybody who has the boldness to raise their voice and speak on behalf of the way, they're often resisted by those who hate absolutes. But frankly, I don't really care about anybody's opinion except God's. It matters not how popular a voice may be in society or in modern Christendom, it doesn't matter how influential or how charismatic that voice may be if it does not align with the scripture. If it doesn't align with the word of God then it's wrong. Let God be true and every man a liar. It doesn't really matter how close we are to being right or how almost right we may be. Just this month, a preacher of the gospel named Johnny James on August the 2nd, I believe he went on to be with the Lord. He has preached it because the times and years passed and he preaches a message or used to preach a message entitled, Almost Right is Always Wrong. And isn't that the truth? Amen. Almost right is always wrong. You see, it's not my opinion. It's not a manual of an organization. It's not a church constitution that our lives are judged against someday. But Jesus said in John 12, 48, He that rejecteth me and receiveth not my words hath one that judgeth him. Here's what will judge a man at the end of his life when he stands before the Lord. The word that I have spoken, the same shall judge him in the last day. You're not going to stand before Jesus and and be judged against the viewpoints of the next popular preacher. You're not going to be judged by my opinion, and certainly not your own opinion. You will be judged by only one thing, and that is the Word of God. The Word of God. So Josiah's passion and zeal for God and for revival, it it did him little to no good. For one reason, and one reason only, and that was because he wasn't in alignment with the Scripture, the Word that he found. Now, thankfully, God has a way of bringing passionate people like Josiah in contact with the truth. Josiah was on the right track, but he needed to know the way more perfectly. And thankfully, Josiah, he humbly embraced the course correction. He took the change, what, what the Lord would, would uh, course correct him through his word. He embraced it instead of snubbing it arrogantly, as some are wont to do. You know, who, is, who, who, who are you to tell me that I'm wrong? Who are you to tell me that, that what I'm doing isn't right? Josiah didn't have that spirit. He, he was grieved at the fact that he didn't have a full revelation. And he embraced what the scripture said. And revival continued as a result. Josiah, in the Old Testament, you know, he kind of reminds me of a man by the name of Apollos. And we referenced him in our opening text tonight. Apollos, likewise, was a passionate man of God. He was one who wanted to share his faith with anybody and everybody that he could. And in our opening text tonight, Scripture describes Apollos as eloquent. It tells us that he is mighty in the Scriptures. He had a lot of word internalized and he knew it in his heart and in his mind. The Bible says that he was instructed in the way of the Lord. Somewhere along the way, he had been mentored and he had been taught some truth. He had been taught some about God. I think this one's important. He was fervent in the spirit. He was a passionate man of God, a passionate preacher. And he was someone who spoke and taught diligently the things of the Lord. Apollos was no slouch. Apollos was no slacker. He was a passionate preacher Of what he understood to be truth at that time. But despite his best efforts and his passion for God. He did not have full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Nor the plan of salvation. He only knew the Bible says. About the baptism of John in verse 25. The baptism of John. Not realizing that John only baptized in water unto repentance. And even John would say that one is coming after me. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and fire not many days hence. Somewhere along the way, he, he got stuck at this truth and, and he didn't have full truth. Apollos' understanding of the scripture, it certainly was deep, but he had never connected the dots and he did not have that full understanding of Jesus' work of salvation on the cross. I'll tell you tonight, passion is powerful. And our efforts in serving God, they are valuable, but nothing can substitute for being in alignment with the word of God. There is no substitute for being in alignment with the scripture and with the full counsel of the word of God. Amen. And so here we, we have this passionate, gifted preacher, but, but he is not preaching the word in its fullness, in its fullness. Apollos is in doctrinal error, but again, God has a way of bringing passionate people like that in contact with truth. And Apollos' story in Acts chapter 18, when we first are introduced to this character, it's, it's intersected by a, a couple, a married couple, and their names are Aquila and Priscilla. And the more you study their story, they seem like, you know, hardworking, level-headed, salt-of-the-earth people. They seem like just faithful saints of God. They seem like the kind of people that helped build strong, thriving, apostolic churches. They were lay ministers. Ministers that didn't have the official vocational title of pastor or preacher or whatever, but they were lay ministers. They they faithfully supported the work of God. And they seem like the kind of people that that, that God can put his hand upon and, and do something for his kingdom. They weren't often, if ever, lead pastor. We don't really ever read where they led a work. But they were committed to helping build God's church wherever they were. It did not matter. And we first encounter their story when they're in the city of Corinth. It's all contained, the beginning of their story at least is contained in this chapter, Acts chapter 18. And, And how they got to the city of Corinth, it was not desirable. The Bible would tell us and history would show us that they were the victims of Roman persecution. And the emperor Claudius of Rome, he expelled all Jews from from Rome, from Italy. And Acts 18 verse 2 tells us that. And and from history we we understand and commentators suggest that Aquila, he was of Jewish descent and perhaps his wife was not. We can't know 100% for sure. But because he at least was a Jew... They quickly fled from Rome, and they end, up in, they end up settling in Corinth. And this was not ideal. I mean, it's, it's never ideal when you're, when you're ousted from a familiar environment. It's never ideal when you have to pick up your lives and move it somewhere else. Certainly not under the circumstances of persecution, but, but they went, and here they are. They're in Corinth, and they just start quietly working and pursuing their trade. They're tent makers, in their new surroundings well the apostle paul he ends up traveling to corinth and he's going there to plant a church and wouldn't you know the first people that the bible tells us that he encounters in corinth was this couple aquila and priscilla it just so happens that paul also was a tent maker and so they start working together and they start leveraging their skill set and and perhaps this this was the building blocks, this common interest, this common skill set and trade. Maybe these were the building blocks of a relationship across which Paul mentored them or ministered to them in some way. You know, it, it, it soon, even though it may have started that way, it, it soon became about more than, than just the marketplace, though. It, it became more than just about their trade and commerce. Soon the conversation shifted. To the kingdom, and it shifted to Calvary, and it probably didn't take very long, but Paul started sharing about what Jesus had done for him on the Damascus Road just a few uh, years earlier, and he started sharing his passion for Jesus and for preaching the gospel, and we don't know, really, we don't know if Aquila and Priscilla, if they were already saved when Paul met them, we don't know if they were already Christians when Paul met them, or, and, and, or, or if Paul won them to the Lord, we don't, we don't know. If they were already Christians, maybe he just mentored them. We can't know for sure. But, but we do know that, that this couple, they become deeply devoted to God's kingdom and to helping Paul build the church to the glory of God. And, and one of the details that I love about this couple, and i got to tell you, I was not intending to preach this. I already told you that. And so there are shades of Sunday in my sermon, and I feel like it's the will of God for tonight. But one thing that I do love about this couple, and I will will agree with Pastor and and join my voice with his, there seems to be no dividing line between their personal lives and their kingdom lives. It's this melding and meshing together of, of them and of God. Their lives are not segmented to where they do business over here and then and then they do their God thing over here. In fact, it's, it's very likely, probable, in fact, that their tent-making business, it was something that they used to benefit the work of God and to support the ministry of the Apostle Paul. They used their resources. They used their skills. They used their time. And, and even their home, they used it to do the work of God. In fact, and this is a point of emphasis tonight, in fact, their house Everyone say their house. Their house is something that is often mentioned as you study their story. Now, again, I wasn't here in person on Sunday, but I was able to tune in. And I know what the Lord was talking to this church about and what he desires to do, not just here in this house, but I believe that God desires to do a work in our house Zacchaeus, you, you better make haste and you better come down from that tree for today. I must abide at thy house, Zacchaeus. And, and because Zacchaeus responds properly, salvation came to his house. Came to his house. I know Sunday evening, pastor was preaching from Acts 18 as well. But another man, a man named Justice, who, whose house was joined hard to the synagogue. And there was little to no dividing line between his house and God's house. And I think that was in a physical sense but Justice and also Aquila and Priscilla, in a spiritual sense, there was little to no dividing line between what God was doing in, in their house and what God was doing in, in his house. What God was doing in their personal lives and, and what God was doing in the kingdom, they blended together. I was studying this couple today and I, honestly I was intending to, to preach the way more perfectly and I was intending to preach apostolic doctrine it's a funny way to, to do a series, really. This, this is part one. One of the parts was a couple Sunday nights ago in the middle of another sermon. I don't even know when part three will be. The next time I'm in the pulpit, I suppose. But you know, the perfectionist in me, it cringes. But but I'm your servant, Lord. Have your way. You see, I, I began studying these faithful saints of God. And the more that I, I study their lives and... And, and I observed them doing the work of lay ministry under Paul's leadership, it became apparent to me that their house, it was a huge part of the growth of the church wherever they went. No hard dividing line between personal and kingdom. The first time, there's four times I believe, perhaps more, but there's four that I observed in Scripture where Aquila and Priscilla's house is mentioned. The first thing that Aquila and Priscilla they did right concerning their house is that they opened their home to Paul. When Paul came to Corinth and he was trying to get a work off the ground, it was their home that became the place where the man of God stayed, Acts 18, verse 3. And because he was of the same craft, he abode with them, he lived with them, and he worked alongside them, for by their occupation, they were tent makers. And because they opened their house to the man of God, they gleaned greater truth, I would presume, and they came into full revelation, and they heard the testimony of the greatest missionary that ever. Walked this earth because they opened their house to Paul. The burden of Paul it began to rub off on them because exposure always breeds a burden. And I can only imagine that Aquila and Priscilla they received that burden to build the church of the living God because of what they exposed themselves to in their home. Here's a question for us to consider tonight what are we exposing ourselves to and our families to? in our home. I love what we're exposed to in this house, but but what about our house? What about our house? I'm thankful today that we have a great church and and in this church, in this sanctuary, we're exposed to the word of God and we're exposed to anointed praise and singing and worship and, and we're, we're in the manifest presence and power of God when we gather. But i got to say, if we are counting only on the exposure that happens in this collective setting for our marriages and, and for our children and for our families, then we are missing a prime and a prominent opportunity in the run of our daily lives. We are missing a great opportunity of time real estate if this is is the only context where we are exposed to the things of God. I would ask us tonight, what are we allowing our families to be exposed to in our home? What is the conversation about? What, What media choices do we make in our home? What values do we prioritize as a family? I'll brag on CCC for a moment. I'll tell you that We've got great Sunday school teachers, and that's all right. I believe that. Great leadership. We've got, we've got I commend Danielle Larley. We've got a great youth ministry, and I commend Alex and Alana Kinney, and, and we've got great pastors, and we've got great preaching at CCC, those that, that instill in us and and impart to us. I'm thankful for all of that. And I praise God for it. But but I would say to every parent and to every head of the home, we need to allow the things of the kingdom to not just be a focal point in this house. But, but we need to allow the things of the kingdom to be a focal point in our house. That's what Aquila and Priscilla did. And because of it, they developed a deep burden for the work of God. It's what they expose themselves to in their house. They opened their home to the man of God and to ministry. Now we know that, that Paul, he stayed in Corinth for about 18 months. And we have no reason to believe that he ever lived anywhere else. He probably lived right there with this godly lay ministry couple the entire time. Making tents to support his ministry and going out preaching every opportunity he could. Well, the day finally came for Paul to move on. And the scripture says in verse 18, same chapter, that Paul, after this, he tarried there, Corinth, yet a good while. And then he took his leave of the brethren. It's time to move on. Go to the next place. And so he sailed thence to Syria. But with him, look who he took with him. He took Priscilla. And he took Aquila. Aquila they end up in a place, it's called Ephesus. We might know of Ephesus. There was a church there, and Paul wrote a letter to the Ephesians. It's in your Bible. And so Paul and Aquila and Priscilla and whoever else was traveling, they land in Ephesus, and he briefly preaches. But but Paul is, is, he's so transient. He's like this nomad, and he couldn't stay in one place very long, and it was fine, it was good, it was God's call for his life. So he's there for just a brief time, and then he moves on to the next place. The next verse says, "And, and he came to Ephesus and then he left them there but he himself entered into the synagogue he reasoned with the Jews and they desired him to tarry longer time with them but he consented not he said I I can't stay here I've got to move on and he would later come back to do more ministry in Ephesus in fact Acts 19 tells us about that there's the Ephesian believers the re-baptism account in Acts 19 he comes back to Ephesus but but for now he's off to the next town but among those who remained in Ephesus were Aquila and Priscilla. They were willing to pick up and move their entire lives into a new town following the man of God and his desire to plant a church in a new city. They were willing to move their business, no doubt also, and like they did in Corinth, to benefit the work of God and to continue ministry It was all about the kingdom. And while Paul was traveling, guess who helped establish this church? He wasn't there to do it, he had left. Aquila and Priscilla did. Now, as Paul would travel throughout the remainder of his ministry, throughout the remainder of his life, he would reference this wonderful couple as he would write letters to other churches throughout the years. And the book of Romans is a great example. The final chapter, he's giving his parting greetings to his audience in Rome. And he says this, Romans sixteen three, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have, laid, who have for my life laid down their own necks. We might say they risked their necks they risked their lives. We don't know what they did, but Paul said they, they risked their lives to save mine, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. He, he really had a place in his heart for this, for this couple who he had lived with, who had done ministry with him. But watch verse five. Likewise, greet the church that's in their house. Someone say in their house. Evidently, The church at Ephesus found its meeting place in the house of this godly, lay ministry, apostolic couple. Not the pastor, not the leaders, but among the leadership. Not the head honcho, but they just had a desire to see the church advance. And so if you need our house, that's fine with us. And this is not a one-off in 1 Corinthians 16. He's Paul, again, is giving his parting greetings to the church at Corinth. And he says in verse 19, The churches of Asia salute you. Aquila and Priscilla salute you much in the Lord with the church that is in their house. You see, what I love about this couple is that Aquila and Priscilla, they allowed the church to meet in their home. They opened their doors to Paul to the man of God, but they also opened their doors to the church body. We know that they weren't necessarily the ones in charge. They, they weren't the pastors. A young man named Timothy was in that role. But this couple was so committed to seeing the church advance that they, they just opened the doors of their homes regularly even so that the church could congregate, so the church could have a place to worship and, and see the kingdom move forward. We are blessed as a local church to have a place, to have a sanctuary, to have a a campus where we meet and we worship here at CCC. We're blessed. I thank God for it. I wouldn't do anything to change that tonight, but I would encourage someone today that that it is not apostolic for our lives to be so segmented and and so off limits to where we never allow someone to come into our personal space. I I know I'm, I'm poking the bear a little bit today and maybe getting a little bit in your space and in your face, but, but it is apostolic for the church to meet house to house. Amen. That's in the scripture too. And it is apostolic for ministry to happen, not just in a designated sanctuary, but in our dwellings, not just in this house, but in your house. Everyone say to say, My house. Acts 2, 46, 47, and they continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house. Yes, they continued in the temple, but they also continued in their homes. Yes, they continued in the sanctuary of God, but they also went from house to house, eating their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. Because the church was the church on the daily. The Lord added to the church daily. Amen. Aquila and Priscilla, what I love is that they were not only willing to support the church with their financial resources, with their skill set, with their business, and even their home, which is an asset, which, which is a part of their financial means. Not only were they willing to support the work of the kingdom in those ways, they were also actively engaged in reaching people and preaching the gospel themselves. There are a lot of people in the church today. And they they support the work of the kingdom with their resources. And we need that. I thank God for that. But then those same people are content to let the Pauls and the Timothys do all of the spiritual stuff. Some, some people, and, and I'm not disparaging anybody, I'm not indicting anybody, but it's true. I think you would agree that there are those that are content to pay their tithe and give their offering, and, and perhaps they'll volunteer, you know, in some capacity. They'll, they'll leverage their skill set for the kingdom of God, just, just like Aquila and Priscilla did. All of that is good. All of it is wonderful, and the church needs more of it. It's all the will of God. Everything I've just said is the will of God. But I think what it is, is that some of those same people, it's not that they have a, a bad spirit or they're, you know, they're carnal or anything like this. I, I think sometimes they feel unqualified. Or, or somebody here tonight, maybe you feel ill-equipped to do that spiritual stuff. To share your testimony, to... To pray for somebody in an altar, to, to be a witness, to, to teach a Bible study. But this was not Aquila and Priscilla, my friends. Brothers and sisters, can I tell you that, that if you've received the gift of the Holy Ghost, then God has empowered you to be a witness of the gospel. God has given you that same gift that anybody that stands behind this pulpit has. It's the power, it's it's the Spirit of God that gives us the strength to raise our voice to be a witness, and to make a difference. You see, when that fiery young preacher, Apollos, comes strutting through Ephesus, (laughs) guess who it was who was willing to come alongside him explain the way more perfectly to him? Aquila and Priscilla. The King James Version we read, it says that they took him unto them. And some might interpret that to mean they they pulled him aside, you know. And if I had to guess, I would guess that the place where they did this personal Bible study, no doubt on baptism, he only knew about the baptism of John, that's what the scripture says. I I would guess that the, the place they did this Bible study was in their home. I mean, it's where the church met but it was also their personal space. In fact, if you look at the Greek, it has it carries the connotation of hospitality when it says they took him unto them, hospitality. And and other translations they suggest as much that it was their home. The New International version it says he began to speak boldly in the synagogue, Apollos, and when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they invited him to their home. Everyone say their home. And it was there in the context of their own personal space that they explained to him the way of God more adequately. It wasn't just others. It wasn't just the Pauls or the Timothys who did the spiritual stuff in their home. They didn't didn't line up the Bible study and then call Pastor Tim and say, hey, Pastor Tim, I've got a Bible study lined up. He needs needs to know more about baptism. Can you come over? Isn't it it in the Word that that we we have to be ready always to give an answer to them that ask of us the hope that is within us with meekness and with fear? Everyone say, I've got to be ready for that. We, We all are called to be ready. We all are called to be instant in season and out of season. And what the Lord speaks to us in darkness, we can shout it from the rooftops and, and what God has spoken to us, he can bring those things to our remembrance. We are called to do that. It's a common call of God to be a preacher of the gospel. We, we use that as some, some, some unique and some uh, you know, niche thing in the kingdom. Oh, they're called to preach. No, we're all called to preach the gospel to every creature, to go into the highways and the hedges, to compel them to come. We have that ability. And so they lined up the Bible study, and they taught it. They got him in their house, and they taught him the way more perfectly. See, it wasn't just others. They opened their home to services, but, but they were not bystanders. They were not just those that were hosting a gathering, and they were just kind of, you know, the Marthas in the equation. No, 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 they were, they were involved in ministry as well. Not that those things aren't ministry, but they were involved in in imparting the word of God in their home. They didn't need to call their pastor for him to do it. It wasn't only others who ministered in their home. They ministered in their homes. They opened their home first to Paul, the man of God. They opened their home to the church for them to meet. But then they opened their home to ministry. From them to others. I'm going to come in for a close here soon and music, you can join me. But I would say in order to build a thriving revival church, ministry must not and cannot be relegated merely to a church building nor can it be relegated only and merely to paid pastoral staff. But God desires to do a work where apostolic couples, where apostolic families, where Lay ministers in a congregation like this know what it is to make room, to know what it is to make room in their personal lives, to make room in their homes, for ministry to take place. You see, Apollos, he was a young man. He had so much right, such passion. He had a lot of the word in order. He, he, he had a handle on a lot of things. He, he had a lot of things going for him. He had such passion, but, but despite this, he was off course doctrinally. And what made the difference for him? It wasn't in his case. Nothing wrong with this whatsoever. I love it. But it wasn't a Sunday service where the preacher happened to be preaching on the subject of baptism, where Apollos got the revelation of baptism in Jesus' name. Am I in the word? He got it in, in the home of a, of a couple from the church. That's where he got the revelation. And what made the difference for, for Apollos? It was a Bible study in an apostolic home by a ministry couple who's not in charge, not the leader. They just, they just love building the kingdom. I, I firmly believe that God has positioned this local church. I firmly believe that God has positioned CCC as a beacon of truth, as a bastion of the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ in our city, in our region, even in our nation and the world. I believe that. Time has shown that. We have a disproportionate influence In our world, considering our size, our location. But like Jesus came from Nazareth, can any good thing come from Nazareth, even from little old New Brunswick? The gospel can go forward. And I agree with the scripture and with pastor from Sunday evening. I do believe that there are much people in this city who are hungry for God. People who likewise are passionate for something real. People who would serve God all of their days. And make awesome saints and, and passionate worshipers and great givers. And they would fund ministry. I believe that, that they're in our city. But they don't have full truth. They don't, they don't have full revelation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. They don't understand baptism in Jesus' name and, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. They, they don't know the oneness of God. They don't understand holiness is unto the Lord. They, they, they don't have a full picture They need somebody to come alongside and explain the way of God more perfectly. There are people also who have absolutely no exposure to Christianity. We are living in a biblically illiterate world more and more as the years pass. They have no exposure, no clue. It's foreign to them, completely foreign. They come of all different backgrounds and stripes. Some have some background, some have no background. We're called to reach all of them. We're called to reach all of them. But they are hungry. Maybe not everybody, but there are those in this city who are hungry for what you have, who would serve God if given the opportunity and if presented the gospel that came to you on its way to somebody else. And if we think, if we think that a service like this 60 to 90 minute service a few times per week is going to be enough to reach and disciple people we are mistaken you you do the math with me we could have service three times a day every day of the week every week of the year morning noon afternoon whatever you can choose and night We we could do that so much the more What is that, 21 services in a week? We'd be tired. We could do it, maybe. But if we could just have a segment of a congregation, if we could just have a small percentage of a church like this one, if we could have 21 people meeting just one person, we've already met that and it's only upwards from there. So if we we think that I'm not saying we shouldn't do it, we need to come, we need to gather, that's apostolic too. We need to be in the house of God. We need to worship passionately. We need preaching. We, we need the moving of the Spirit. We need all of that. But if we think that that's only gonna that, that only that is going to achieve the revival and the work that God wants to do in these last days then we are mistaken. It's not only the ministry of Paul and Timothy that's gonna get the job done. It's the ministry of people like Aquila and Priscilla. People that were willing to throw the doors of their homes open and embrace people and let the church flow through and let new believers flow through and see the work of God advance it's people like that preaching and teaching not paid professional ministry in and of itself we're going to partner together to do this you know The reason you know, I, I feel as we move forward and whatever this series ends up being, we are going to talk about some of our core doctrines. And, and I do want to talk about how, how, how we need to have a better grasp on the book of Acts and how they implemented the teaching of Jesus and, and all that. And we need that. We need sound doctrine. But we don't preach sound doctrine so that, so that the church body can just say, yep, that's why I believe that. That's, that's good. Yep, that solidified it for me. I, I know i got the right stuff. I know I've got truth and I'm good to go. That's not why we talk about it. We preach the full counsel of God and we talk about doctrine and about salvation and about the gospel so that we can be equipped to go out and tell it to somebody else in some other context, in some other space, somewhere other than here. It can happen here, but do you know it can happen somewhere else too? It can happen in your house too. It can happen at a coffee shop too. Come on, if you believe that, clap your hands for a moment and somebody shout yes. It's not an either or proposition, it's both and. We need this, we need this, but we need more of that. We need more of that. We need apostolic, godly, lay ministry moms and dads and couples. We need some Aquilas and Priscilla's. We need husbands and wives. We need faithful saints of God to realize that God has called you to see your personal lives and, and your spiritual lives mesh together to where there is no dividing line, to where there is no distinction, where one ends and the other begins. It's hard to observe. That's what God desires. God desires for you to be like them, to be able to come along somebody and explain the way more perfectly. But can I just tell us it can't only happen in this house. It can't only happen in this house. If we are going to see God's will be done in our city in these last days, it has to happen in your house. It has to happen. It has to happen in my house. It has to happen from house to house. Would you stand together with me tonight i thank you for your kind attention but i wonder if we can pray together right now i feel in the holy ghost that the lord is leading this church to truly we've got a lot we've got a lot right i'm not i'm not i'm not against anything we do i love everything we do but god would call us to embrace this come on aquila and priscilla the doors of your house. It's time to open them and see what God would do. It's time to open the doors and let there be an exposure to the things of God and the things of the kingdom like maybe it's never been in the past, but in this season, God is calling us to that. Raise your hands and raise your voice now in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus hallelujah hallelujah oh if you believe that can you just press in the spirit for a few moments come on let's resist that that spirit of complacency let's resist in the holy ghost that that thought that we can just carry on and and that that we can operate in, in lukewarmness. Let's challenge that. I, I, I wish that you were hot or cold, God said. I wish that you, were, that you were all the way in or all the way out, Jesus said. I want to be passionate, God. I don't want there to be segmented and, and diversified in my life. I want it to be a holistic approach, advancing the kingdom, this house, my house. God's kingdom, my life. Oh, in the name of Jesus oh God we push back we push, we push, we push in the Holy Ghost today come on if you're with your family why don't we take this opportunity let's pray together as families because God wants to use couples God wants to use families God wants to use moms and dads sons and daughters to advance the kingdom wherever we go We bind together with somebody if it's appropriate. If you're with your husband, your wife, can you lay your hands on them, take them by the hand, and lift them together, lift your voices together? Come on, let's let have let's have one more push in the Holy Ghost. One more push in prayer. jesus i pray that an unction of the holy ghost that a fresh anointing that it would rest upon every family in our church god i pray that you would grant us give us the vision give us eyes to he- to see give us ears to hear what you're speaking in this season oh god i pray God, that we would see this congregation going into all the regions, all the little communities, all the streets, all the neighborhoods of our city and the surrounding areas. God, I pray that we would see revival springing up in our mind's eye and in our spirit in every home, God. I pray for a mom or a dad that that you're calling them in this moment to build a few walls in their homes, not not to keep people out but to preserve what's inside and to keep the enemy out god i pray that you'd give them the courage to stand in this evil day god to stand for truth and to stand for righteousness and to be a light to their family to be a light to others to be a light to their community and to their friends oh in the name of jesus in the name of jesus give us wisdom give us understanding we ask it in jesus name oh hallelujah hallelujah We're going to dismiss in just a minute. Raise your hands and lift up a praise to the Lord. It's been good to be in the presence of God. Come on, just let them know, I receive what you've spoken. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for what you're saying to our church. God, continue to lead us. Don't leave us behind, God. Let us be in the middle of revival in the city of Fredericton. God, help us to step into our responsibility, our calling, and our role to be that light of truth, God to be the city set on a hill. We worship you, Jesus. We give you praise. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you love the Lord, clap your hands. Give Him praise. Give Him a shout. It has been good to be in God's house tonight. Looking forward to all that the Lord is going to do We are looking forward to this Saturday. Don't forget CCC in the park and we're together again on Sunday. God bless you. It's been so good to be with you. Greet somebody on your way at a Bible study tonight. God bless you in Jesus' name.